time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Father, we come before you as we come to the end of this thousand-day campaign. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of teenagers four years ago. We thank you for the faithfulness of teenagers three years ago, two years ago. And God, we thank you for the faithfulness that we're watching take place in front of our eyes right now, this month, in Heartwork. We thank you for the faithfulness of Jeremiah Parks. We thank you, Lord God, that you've used him to be a mouthpiece, to champion your message to a generation. And God, we commit in the middle of this campaign to reach a generation. We want to see a generation reached through the process of giving our lives away for the orphan. Rescue our destiny, God. Rescue the destiny of a generation that's a consumer generation. Rescue a generation that's so filled with selfishness and help us, Lord God, to give our lives away. We don't want to be entertained. We want something to die for. We want something to give our lives to. And so God, as intercessors tonight, here in the tent, New Life Church in Colorado Springs, we ask that this miracle would continue. I ask, Lord Jesus, that as we approach the conference this summer, that Jeremiah would be able to say, we aimed for a thousand orphan projects in a thousand days with a thousand groups, and God did a miracle. So let this be our miracle prayer tonight, God. We stand in agreement, Lord Jesus. We give you not just our money, not just our affections. We give you our, our prayers in faith, God. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 Quite a few years ago when uh, I was dating my wife, Renata, we were uh, in the early phases of, 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 of dating, and I was pretty sure that she was the one. I thought she was pretty amazing and pretty impressive, and she was uh, an intern. We got any, any, any interns in the house? Just curious. Yeah. And so she was actually a, a, a broke intern. I mean, had zero, actually she was in debt. I mean, she had no money. We got anybody like that in the room? Just curious. Yeah, there you are. All right. What's up, Rach? Okay, so, and, and, and so, and so uh, we, she was a part of a ministry. I was a part of a ministry. And we decided that we were going to, we, we, we went on this missions trip to Mexico. And so I thought, you know, she was like amazing and I was single, she was single, and, and I knew her financial outlook. I knew that she had actually sold her car in order to pay tuition to go to the internship, and so I knew she had nothing. And in fact, she had told me uh, even about how, how hard things were for her financially, and, and, and even at that point, uh, her parents weren't helping her financially, and so she had no money, and she was trying to make it in this internship with zero dollars, with zero money, nothing. And so I had a little bit of money that I had saved up. And so sometimes I would give her a little bit of money just so that she could like survive, just so that she could eat, you know, just so she could make it. And I, so I'd given her a little bit of money on this trip. I'd given her 50 bucks. And, um, 
And, and so I gave her, I gave her this $50 and, and, and she was so grateful and she was thanking me for it. And so we were early 20s when this was taking place and, and we're in Mexico and I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm like enthralled with her. I think she's the greatest thing ever. I'm confident that I want to marry her. I'm not quite as confident she wants to marry me, but I know I want to marry her. And, uh, and so, and so I'm, I mean, I'm after her, you know, but I'm after her in the Christian way, you know, like, oh Lord, please, if you love me, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and, and we're, we're walking, we're, we're walking in Mexico and, and I'm mostly talking with some of my friends, you know, hanging out and I'm, and, but I'm walk, I'm walking about 15 feet, you know, behind her and her friends. And you know how it is, you know, when you're young, immature, crazy, 21, you know, Rach. So, you know, like, no, just kidding. All right. Yeah. I, it's real dark. You're the only one I can see. So anyway, so. So I'm walking and this crazy thing happens that, that I'll never forget because I just handed her this money and she was literally almost tearing up because she was so thankful because in, in her world, she was broke. But in, in, in her world, she thought she was broke. She felt like she was broke until we entered a different world. Until we entered this world where we saw poverty unlike what she knew in her American church internship. And when she saw brokenness and we were walking by families that had zero dollars we actually walked by where there was child prostitution taking place like you could see it you could see prostitution and you could see you could see uh, complete poverty you could see beggars there i mean it was massive poverty and our leader at the time He took us there and he said, I want you guys to see this. I want you to see this because I want God to break your heart for the poor. And I remember as an American kid, I I didn't, I mean, I I was thinking about, I wasn't thinking about it all. I was, I mean, I was, I was thinking about lots of other things that, that even the idea of what we were going to do that day, like going to see the poor, it just didn't register. You know, I was like, what? I mean, I didn't get it until I was there. And I saw this poverty and the poor. And I'll never forget this moment as I'm walking about 15 feet behind Renata. I'm with my, my friends, you know, they're my boys, you know. I'm like walking with my buds, you know, like, what's up, guys? We're cool and she's good looking and I'm after her and I'm supposed to be checking out the poor, but I'm mostly checking out her. And I'll never forget a moment. It's a moment that, I mean, literally, it's freeze-framed in my mind. I'll never forget it. I remember the moment where she's walking. There's a family. It's a mom. A mom with, like, tons of little kids around her. And this mom, you know, with her, with, like, a begging of a bowl, kind of this kind of, like, small bowl she's holding out. And I'll never forget watching Renata as she doesn't even, she doesn't even, like, she doesn't even like make a move. She doesn't like stop. I just watch her take the $50 bill I just given her and she just, she just, she just drops it like this in her bolt and just, just keeps walking. Her friends don't even see it, but I saw it. And, and, and everything within me just melted. You know, everything within me just went into shock and it wasn't a good shock. It was like, narcissistic rich kid american shock like what what because something was going on inside of her that was supernatural something was going on inside of her that was 
Jesus working inside of her. And in my own logic, in my own practical logic, I, I didn't get it. I couldn't see it. And tonight, that's where I, I want us to go. I want us to step out of kind of everything that we think of in terms of just practical and all the things that we have to have. And I want us to step out of that and into a world where God kind of pulls back a veil and we see more like he sees and not like we see. Where we catch his heart and we see his heart for people and, 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 and it, it literally seems otherworldly. It, it literally seems like almost impossible to sacrifice to that level. When I saw that happen, that was, it was unfathomable to me. I mean, I'm a saver, you know? I don't, I don't, I'm not a spender. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a saver. I, I, and a lot of that is because of who knows how much is fear and who, how much is being an American. And I mean, at that time, I drove a red Mustang and I was cool back then, you know, in those days. Lots changed. But, but, but for her... For, for, for Renata to do that, I couldn't catch it. I just, I, couldn't, I mean, I remember just it interrupting me. And I want that kind of interruption tonight for us. I'm asking God to break into our comfort, comfortable little world and change us, transform us. Because this need of heart work, this, I, these ideas that Jeremiah is presenting to us. When you think about the comfort zone that we live in, I mean, you and I, we live in a, in a world where there's a billion people, a billion that live on less than a dollar a day. Now, just to be fair, you should know that the average American, not just the wealthy Americans, the average, so you take all the poor Americans, put it all together, lives on $105 a day. So the average American lives on 105 times what a billion people on the planet live on. A billion, not 50, not a thousand, not a hundred, a billion. I can't even count that high. A billion, a billion people live on that, less than a dollar a day. So of course, this is not news. This is not breaking new revelation. This is the ancient truth. And this is the thing that we found so alive in Jesus. If you want to look at the life of Jesus, this idea of giving sacrificially to the poor was so much a part of his life and his teaching. I want to look at his teaching for a minute and then look at his life. Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bibles. The infamous story that we love, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he replied, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied to the man. Do this and you will live. I love that phrase. Do this and you'll live, Jesus says. But the man, he said, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, 
When he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And here it is. This is what I want you to get tonight. Jesus told him. Here it is. This is it. This is the phrase. This is what we want. This is who we are. This is the people that Jesus called us to be. Whether you're 12, 20, or 40, or 50, or 60, go and do likewise. So Jesus tells the story and he says, all right, here's a Samaritan. Here's the kind of person that as he speaks to the expert in the law, he goes, this is the kind of guy that you do not like. This is the, the kind of person that he wouldn't, this would be the bottom of society. And he says, he's beaten, thrown into a ditch. And these two different ideas, they're two different kinds of religious guys. You know, in our world, it'd be like the pastor and the worship leader, right? Be the high school pastor and the junior high pastor, Right? It'd be John and Brandon. Actually, never mind. So it, it, it's that idea. It's two, it, in, in, in his brain, it was, the, it was two people that you would respect. And in the story, Jesus says this idea that when they saw him, this is the phrase that was messing with me. When they saw him, they passed on the other side. In other words, they distanced themselves from the problem. Oh, That's uncomfortable. Man in the ditch. So they passed on the other side of the road. And this is one of the problems for us in American youth culture, is that we're so far from it, we're so distant from it, we're so distant from poverty. I mean, our generation, this generation, doesn't think about poverty. They think mostly about iTunes or YouTube or, 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 what? Or Facebook or, um, what's the shoot game? Or Twitter, or Instagram, or <laughs> Call of Duty, or all those things. And think all about all of those things. And, and that's, that's on their brain. That's on their mind. And so the idea of children, orphans, in another nation, in poverty, with beans and rice as all they have, is far from them. And the temptation for us, the temptation for you. I know it's nice. We're in four-week series in heart work, so we're paying attention to it. But this isn't about a four-week series. When Jeremiah is saying on the video, it's about it, the destiny rescuing destiny. It's not talking about a four-week series where our destiny is rescued for a month. Woohoo! What's up now? No. That's not it. The idea is, is that when we recognize the poor, the broken, the, the disenfranchised, the orphan, the hurting, that it so messes with us that we care about them and in giving our lives to them, it rescues us from materialism and narcissism and self. When we serve the broken, it rests. And that's what Jesus says. Look at this. Look at Jesus said. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus says, do this and you will live. Do what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. So when Jesus goes to tell this story about the Good Samaritan, he's giving more ideas to the love your neighbor because he says, who's my neighbor? And so what Jesus is saying here is this destiny rescuing destiny idea. He's saying, do these things, love God and love these people, love love your neighbor and you will have a full life. One of the reasons why our lives are shriveled up and broken is because we're living for me. When we live for me, then our lives, our hearts shrivel up. They they dry up. They're hard. They're brittle. They're easily offended. But when we, have you ever been around someone that lives for others? That radically gives of themselves? It's amazing. You're like, why don't you promote yourself more? Why do you, there's a joy, there's a happiness. Jesus is saying, it's the secret. Those who lose their lives find it. And this is an easy sermon to preach and it's a hard lifestyle to live. But when we find it, it's gold. When we find this, when we give ourselves to this, we find Jesus modeling for us how to find life. Nobody, nobody served the broken and the hurting like Jesus. He didn't just preach it, he lived it. Nobody Jesus is ultimately the slogan, destiny, rescuing destiny, right? Jesus rescued the destinies of other people, and that's what happens. Most of the time, we're like, what's my destiny? What's my destiny? What am, what's, what, you know, what, what's my dream? What's my destiny? I got to do it. I got to go. go. Uh, and and I, I, love, I love sitting at coffee shops with people and talking to them about their lives. One of the things I do a lot of is, is talking, you know, mostly with young men, asking them, you know, what God's called, and there's, there's a lot of times there's a, this language of my dream, my destiny, my destiny, my dream, my destiny. And yet, this whole idea, this whole concept is, is as we rescue other people's destiny, as you, as you start to help other people reach their destiny, you'll discover your own. In other words, be, I love this phrase that Brady is, you know, talking about here, this dream center idea, right? This dream center, and I was thinking about that phrase, just that term, dream center. And what if we made that our prayer? That dream center isn't a building, but you're a dream center. <laughs> Why? Because you're helping other people reach their dreams. And when you do that, you'll find fulfillment. You're a dream center. No, 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 the dream center's downtown. No, 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 you're a dream center. You're a center of helping other people fulfill their dreams. You start to live that, you'll watch. You'll find when Jesus says right here, do this and you'll have life. You'll be surprised how God starts to give you life. What does that look like? Well, I think it looks like starting right here with what we're talking about with helping other people, helping orphans, helping at school. It's an intentional way of serving, getting, not fighting to be on top Not fighting to be number one, but fighting for the bottom. How can I serve? How can I help? How can I help other people? How can I serve? And Jesus models this for us. Jesus does this. In Luke 16, we find Jesus, what? Lazarus, the beggar. We find Jesus with great compassion. We find in Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 men with leprosy. The untouchables. The ones that nobody wants to be near. And yet the example of Jesus is he goes to them. 
blind Bartimaeus. The disciples, if you remember that story in Mark 10, the disciples are like telling him to shut up. Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples, shut up, blind man. Remember that? Be quiet. What? Get him out of here. We don't want to have to see him. And Jesus is the one, turns, no, and he goes to the disenfranchised or the blind, the broken. Raises a, 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 raises a girl from the dead. Raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. There's so many stories. Jesus healing the woman with the issue of blood. Mark 2, Jesus healing the paralyzed man. His whole life is this story. His whole life is helping the disenfranchised, the poor, the broken. That's what Jesus did. Over and over again, we find Jesus helping, rescuing the destiny of others. So how do we do it? How do we become like Jesus in this way? Say number one, open your eyes. Don't walk on the opposite side of the road. We gotta open our eyes. We gotta look. Awareness changes you. When you're aware of the reality, it changes you. When you've seen it, it changes you. I have a friend that believed this, but he grew up in America and he had grown up in relative wealth. And, um, but he knew that, he knew that when he just read the gospels, Jesus was all about the poor. And so he decided that post high school, he was gonna go see the world. And so he saved up his money, spent quite a few years working, and then he bought a, a, an airline ticket where as long as he was going one direction, he could go on the same airline and he could do a one-way ticket around the world. And he stopped in multiple cities and when he would get to that, and he would go to the different si- big cities in the world, international cities, and get, he'd go to a cab and figure out how to, uh, to communicate and he would just tell the cab driver, take me to the poorest part of the city. And so this was a long trip, and his whole, his whole heart was, God, break my heart for the poor. Today, he's raised millions and millions and millions of dollars to help the poor. But it was just becoming aware, getting his heart in it, being there, being among them, seeing it with his own eyes. He grew up in Midwest America, and so it wasn't... It was, it was words on a page. It was the word poor. It, was, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't, there wasn't images in his mind. But he did this, took this trip, and after this trip, God tattooed on his heart this idea of helping the poor. And so I think for us, a part of what God's called us to do is to become aware. So we can become aware a little bit in videos. We can become aware by trips. We become aware to the best degree that we can. I know for me, in 2001, I took uh, a bunch of teenagers from New Life here to um, China. Renata and I did. And so Renata and I took a team into, uh, into China. We flew into Beijing, and then we caught another flight and went further in London. Then we, once we landed there, we took a train all the way in and 
once we arrived, they were, I mean, literally the newspaper took a picture of us because we were these, you know, white people showing up in their city and our faces were on the front page of the paper just for, I don't know, for being white, I guess. I don't know, being American. And uh, we spent three weeks there. And we spent, you know, every evening we'd go and spend the evening just, we'd teach, we'd teach English during the day and then in the evenings we would play basketball or sports or hang out with the students. And uh, I just remember how powerful it was for me, 2001, when knowing these, some of these broken kids wasn't, wasn't a picture on a screen, but I knew their names. I mean, the kid that I became closest to, his name was Rex. And he was a basketball player. He's like 14 or 15, a little bit taller than me. And he was like my new friend, you know? And I hung out with him each evening. And it wasn't, when I left China, it wasn't an idea of people in another nation. It was a person. It was a guy I knew. It's different. It's totally different. And their, 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 their lifestyles are different. There was, a, uh, there was a couple that was so thankful for our work there that the whole week they were telling us that they wanted to take our team to a feast. And so I was preparing my team, telling them that we were going to go to this feast. And in my head, I'm thinking feast, you know, like, I don't know. In my, I don't know what that meant. But in my head, I, you know, I'm, I'm picturing like American Thanksgiving or something. I don't know, like, or at least the value meal at McDonald's. I don't know, like, I, it just... And the feast was on the second or third last night that we were there, he took us and bought a goat. <laughs> and <laughs> like we're all like, and then he like, they cooked the goat and there were, we were all like, you know, eating goat. And it was a huge sacrifice for him to buy this goat. And I just watched, including myself, as all of us had a hard time eating goat because we're used to Starbucks. <laughs> we're used to our lives here. We just have so much. So one of the things that we believe here at DSM is that the way to, one of the ways to open your eyes, we believe that every junior high and high school student during your years here at DSM should go overseas with us at least one time. We know it's expensive. We know it costs a lot. We know it's a huge sacrifice for you. We know it could take you a year to save money. We know that it could take you going without some Christmas gifts for a long time. You know, we know that it could, it could be, a, it, that we know that it's a huge sacrifice. But what God does in your heart as a young person going overseas and just becoming aware, just opening your eyes, I think is huge. And it helps you resonate, helps you start to connect with God's heart. So I would say, number one, one of the ways is open your eyes. And you know what? God, God will... Link your, just like when I tell that story about Rex, meaning Rex in China, God linked my heart and he'll link yours. I was talking to a, a, a missionary friend of mine. He's been doing mission work for 40 years. And uh, he said this, he said, most people that become long-term missionaries, they want to go to the place where their first short-term missions trip was. So it's something like 
So if your first trip is to China, chances are that's where you're going to want to go to be a long-term missionary if God calls you to be a missionary. And he said this, it's just the simple dynamic. When, when you see it, when you become aware that, when that first time, when God opens up your heart, you can't help but love what God loves for those people. And so we're passionate about it. We're passionate about you going overseas. We're passionate about you being able to see tangible ways to help the poor, the orphan. Open your eyes and open your heart. Just open up your heart. Jesus is inviting us into a really big story. And it's tempting for us to live with a shriveled heart in our own story. But this whole idea of helping the poor, this is like entering into a bigger story. This is like entering into a story that's bigger than you. It's bigger than being cool. Your goal to be cool. Oh, wow. What's up? No, I'm... Is this so much bigger than that? Your world, maybe, to be popular, famous. This is so much bigger than that. If it's your, your little world to be, to be rich, your little world to be cool, your little world to be famous, this invitation from Jesus, go and do likewise. Go help the hurting. This is entering into what he does. This is entering into his world. You want to be in a small world? Live for you. It's what, it's what the world does. It's boring. Live for money. Live for popularity. Live for fame. Live for trying to show off how many Facebook friends you have. Live for whatever it is. Being cool. Being elected on you know, some most popular at school, but you want to enter into a bigger story. If you want to enter into a bigger story, Jesus invites you into his story, his story of helping the poor. I love what John quoted a moment ago where he just said, Jesus, you know, tells the story in Matthew 25. I think most of you know it, but it's the story about the sheep and the goats and how one day he'll separate sheep from the goats. And there's those that, Help the poor, the disenfranchised, the prisoner, the hurting, and those that didn't. And the ones that didn't say, Lord, when? When did we see you doing those things? And then Jesus says this phrase. It's the one that John quoted earlier. Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. So when you help the kids in the pictures, you help Jesus. Jesus says, when you when you give of your fast food and you give up your $10, which will buy 15 meals for someone else, one meal for you, one Chipotle with guac is about 10 bucks. If you can go without the guac, it's eight. I like the guac, it's 10. You can go, you do that, that's 15 meals for someone else somewhere. Jesus goes, you've done it for me. So imagine starting to think that way. It's a reframe. It's a different way to think. Ah, if I intentionally forego this one burrito, 15 orphans eat. Uh, tomato, 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 tomato. Which one? 
No question. God help me. Right? So number one, God open our eyes and open our heart. Open our heart that we would catch it. Now, I want to say something really clearly here. I grew up, had people saying things like this. And in my brain, I started to feel guilty for being an American. Like I felt bad. Like I would repent to God. Like, I'm so sorry I live in Oklahoma, God. You know, like, like I just felt guilty. I just felt bad. I'd see, you know, we'd have these missionaries that would come to our church and they would hold up pictures of the poor in Africa. And I would just like die on the inside. Like, oh, I'm a horrible person because I live here, you know. And I just felt guilty. I felt badly. And, and, and so I, I want to talk about that for a minute because I don't, I, I don't want you to feel that way. I, I, I don't think God wants you to feel that way. I think God wants you to feel thankful for the way that he's blessed you. In other words, there are some people that were born into a situation of total brokenness where they're in poverty. They didn't choose it. Just like you were born into wealth. You say, no, I'm not wealthy. Yes, you are. You're, you're a snot-nosed wealthy brat. You just are. All of us are. So is John, so is Brandon, so am I, so is Rachel. I mean, we all are, all right? We all are. And, but we didn't choose that, right? We, that's just where we were born. Now, here's the deal. But I don't want you to feel badly, feel guilty that you were born in Colorado or born, you know, if you were born in some godforsaken place like Texas, you know, like, or whatever. All right, just kidding. All right. All right. No, I'm just kidding. But. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel badly based upon the fact that you are, you're here. You're blessed, all right? Because I don't think that God feels that way. I think that God looks at you and God has blessed you. And, there are, and, and, and you're just, you're just you're, and we need to just be grateful for the blessing. But we need to, when God looks at us as a father, he wants us to share. Does that make sense? He wants us to give sacrificially. So we don't live sad that we're, that we're prospering, that we're blessed, but we also don't hoard and not take care of the other. Let me give this example. Last night, I went to Yo Yogurt with three of my children, all right? You guys like frozen yogurt? Anybody here like it? Right. Now, personally, I'm a Lulu's guy. I like that way better than the others, but it just seems a step above, plus because Pink berries, like, too expensive. But anyway, so I'm a Lulu's guy, all right? But, but last night, we, I took my kids to Yo, to Yo Yogurt, because that's close to our house, and Lulu's was too far. All right, so, so I, took my, I took three of my kids to Yo Yogurt, and then my oldest son, Dawson, he's on the front row. This is Dawson. You want to wave? Eight years old right here. There he is. Yep. All right. Okay. All right. Now, Dawson, because he's eight and studious, he had to stay home to do his homework. All right. Yeah, I know. Sad day. All right. So, all right. So I took my kids to Yo Yogurt and I had a free one coming. That shows you how often I go. It's a little embarrassing, but I had a free one coming. So I decided what I was going to do is instead of like giving, you know, one, uh, the free one to one kid and then buying the other two uh, a, a yogurt, I decided I was going to do what you would think. Let's, we get one free one. We're not going to spend a penny. We're going to just fill it to the brim, like make it as big as possible, right? That's what you do, right? So I asked the lady ahead of time. I said, how full can I make this before you'll charge me? And she laughed too. And, 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 and she said, 
16 ounces. And I said, so if it's 16 ounces, I'm okay. She said, that's right, 16 ounces is, is your top. Anything more than that, and, and, and you'll, you'll pay per ounce. And I was like, all right. So I got my kids around me, and we went over, and I would go fill it up, and then I'd, and then I'd weigh it, and I'd come back. Yeah, oh, I'm a cheapskate. I told you that earlier in the sermon. All right, so anyway. And so I took, so I had Adeline, Olivia, and Justice, all right? And we got it, we got it to 16 ounces, which turns out it's a lot. Turns out to be 16 ounces of ice cream. That'll make you fat. That's a pound, yeah, it's a pound of fat. All right, so that's a pound of fatness. All right, so, so is that a pound? All right, okay. I was kidding. I knew that. All right, so anyway, and so, and so I've got all three of them there, and, and so they just filled it with chocolate. It was mostly chocolate, chocolate chips, and uh, M&Ms. Okay, so they're just, I mean, they're just pounding it. Like, they're just eating it, right? Okay, and so now imagine if with these three kids... Imagine if Olivia would have said, no, dad, I don't want this because I feel so bad that you're so blessing us and prospering us. I just feel bad about the whole thing. I'm going to the car and waiting. (laughs) How would I feel? I'd be like, no, I bought you free ice cream. (laughs) Right? I, I love you. I, I bought you this free yogurt. I, right? That would have been my heart. I, I want you to eat it. Why? Because I like you and you're my kid, right? So the very thing that I want her to do is to enjoy it, right? I want her to enjoy the gifts that I've given her, right? I want that to happen. Okay, now here's what I don't want to happen. And here's what did happen, all right? We got down to where we we're getting close to the bottom, And I said, okay, guys, I want you to stop because we're going to share with your brother who didn't get any. He's at home with nothing except for his extremely nutritional mother who has no idea we're doing this. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So... I said, all right, and now, here's what Justice did, my two-year-old. He goes, no, takes the yogurt, and he pulls it in close like this, and he gives me a look like this, and he goes, no share. (laughs) That's right. You know what I felt? I was like, oh, no, you didn't. I felt rage, like, Argh. I mean, he's got chocolate ice cream all over his face. I mean, he's two. His stomach is sticking out. He got to pick what we were, he got to pick the M&Ms. He, my, my perfect eight-year-old son at home doing his homework didn't even get to pick it, Right? So what's the emotion that goes off in the heart of this father when my two-year-old, who has so much, refuses to share? Anger. No. No. What I want from you is I want you to share. I want... That's the picture. The reality is, is that God's given you much, and you know what? For you to take the ice cream and eat it, he delights in. He goes, I love you. Good job, Olivia. Good job, Adeline. No share justice? 
And that's exactly what it looks like for us. God's called us. God's called us to sacrifice for the poor, the orphan, the hurting, those with nothing. You don't have to live guilty because your mom and dad drive a car, because you have clothes. You don't have to live guilty. You live grateful and thankful. And one of the ways that you demonstrate to God that you are really thankful and that you believe all good gifts come from him is that you give, you share. And if you share, my daughter, Adeline, she goes, she was excited to give to Dawson. She was like, yeah, let's take this home for Dawson. You want to know which child had my delight in that moment? The blonde-haired five-year-old who said, I want to share. And that's exactly what it looks like for us. You can live here in Colorado Springs where it's beautiful with blue sky and a mountain range and puffy white clouds and Briargate and Starbucks on every corner and not feel like God's ticked at you for being an American. You can live here and it's okay and be, and be blessed. Where you'll start to feel like you're not living in God's pleasure is when you hoard and you don't give sacrificially. He's invited you to give sacrificially. And we want to give till it hurts. We want to give even when it's painful, all right? Give your ice cream. Give it away. Give your Chipotle. Give whatever it is, but let's give, all right? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Just a moment, Pastor Brandon's going to come up and kind of give us some instruction. But I just want to close in prayer. If you could just put your hands on your heart. Father, we love you. God, we just, we want your pleasure on our lives. We want you to rescue us as we be your hands, as we're your hands and your feet and rescue others for your sake in your name. I thank you, Lord God, for men and women here tonight are growing in their love for you. Thank you for the joy that's in this place. Thank you for their delight in being the people of God. Thank you that DSM is a place that there's real Christians that really love God here. And I pray your blessing on them. I pray that you would prosper them. And God, we pray for supernatural strength to give sacrificially. God, we don't want to walk on the other side of the street. We just, just want to be your hands and your feet to the poor, orphan, the hurting. So Lord God, as we give, as we have two more weeks to sacrifice, to go without so that we can give, we pray, Lord God, that we would finish these last couple weeks full throttle, as fast as we can, giving much, God. I pray for your grace and your strength on my friends tonight. Fill them with your power. Fill them with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.